You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now many people will have heard of dyspraxia, a disorder that affects fine and our gross motor coordination. And of course it affects both children and adults. But this morning we're going to focus on a condition called verbal dyspraxia. Two mothers join me to discuss how verbal dyspraxia affects their uh, children. Uh, Judy Sweeney and um, Evelyn Murphy. Uh, Good Good morning to you both, ladies. Good morning, Good morning Patricia. Um, Julie, I suppose if I can start with you, what is verbal dyspraxia? Okay, um, so verbal dyspraxia, Patricia, I suppose from my point of view, came into my life with my son, Connor, um, who has very severe speech issues. Um, so he's diagnosed as having severe, profound developmental language disorder, um, expressive language is delayed, and he's an associated in verbal dyspraxia. So, as you said, there are dyspraxia. People might be familiar with, but verbal dyspraxia is actually um, not related to dyspraxia as such. It's completely different. And it is a neurological disorder. And it's where you would have um, significant issues with planning your speech. So, for a child like Connor, um, a diagnosis of verbal dyspraxia is where child would generally have a very good understanding of language. They know what they want to say, but they have very um, big difficulties in actually carrying out what they want to say. So, for example, your eye, we know that when we want to talk, we have to move our tongue, our face, our mouth and all of that to make the sounds that we want. And we make them in the order that we want them really to make without even thinking about it. Whereas for a child like Connor with verbal dyspraxia, he can't plan um, how to say those words. He literally has to learn from the very beginning how to move the muscles in his face and his mouth and his tongue, his soft palate, and he has to learn how to make all of those sounds from scratch and then he has to put it in the planning aspect of it so he says them in the order he wants them to say so that his speech is intelligible. And that is incredibly difficult for him. I'm straight away thinking, Julie, the frustration of knowing what you want or need and having to go through all of that to try and get that across to somebody. He works flat out 24-7 every day of the week. Um, And it it, it, it is frustrating. And I suppose the older he gets, the more... Uh, frustrated it can be at times to to get his point across but I suppose Patricia I always take hope in 
one of his, his crash workers years ago would have said, for a guy who has no words, he's a great communicator. <laughs> so he relied a lot on, in the early days, it was all gestures, grunts, kind of intonations. And, um, you know, we always said he had one word, which was mana, but he could say it in 30 different ways to get yeah. his point across. Um, now, he's made significant progress in recent months. Um, he started um, into a language unit in St. Goblet's and Mallow. And Brilliant. we have been absolutely blessed with the magical work they've done there in the school. And he's gone from having that one word to, you know, short little sentences. But it takes absolutely ferocious amount of work and effort every day of the week. And Julie, at what stage did you realise that Connor might be having a problem with speech? Uh, so very early on, I would have had suspicions. Um, he's the youngest of three, so I thought I had the other two to kind of compare him to. He was that absolute dream child in the sense that he played really quietly, but looking back on it, that's actually a big indicator. Um, so he wasn't making any of the real kind of childhood babbly kind of sounds. Um, so I had suspicions um, well before his second birthday, but I kind of felt I'd be fobbed off and I'd be told, wait until he was mm. two. He'll grow out of it. Yeah. Um, and verbal dyspraxia, it's not a speech delay, so you don't grow out of it. It is a disorder. Um, so Is it difficult I, to get a diagnosis? Very difficult. I went to the GP when he was two. I was kind of waiting until two. And bang on his second birthday, I was in the GP asking for a referral and I was initially being told, ah, you know, he's only two, give him a chance. Now, there is a family history of, of speech issues as well. So the minute I mentioned that, we got the referral. But with anything with the HSE, as you well know, they were waiting list and waiting list and waiting list for a waiting list. So we waited. Um, he was initially assessed. We were told, yeah, he had some speech issues. He was behind. Um, and in the HSE system, so from about the age of two years, five months maybe, he got access to blocks of SLT therapy, which is about an hour a week for maybe six sessions and then you go back to the back of the queue and you're waiting another maybe six months to get seen again and with verbal dyspraxia because you need to to learn how to make the sound very intensive regular therapy is the only solution and so he was in in you know with community care and he was in fabulous speech language therapist and he was in the early intervention team but really, we didn't see a lot of progress with his speech until he started into the, the specialised language class. Yeah, let me bring in um, at this point um, Evelyn Murphy. Uh, good morning to you, Evelyn. Good morning, Patricia. Evelyn, I know you're co-founder of a group called Verbal Dyspraxia Ireland, but it's your son, uh, Charlie. Is Charlie's story similar to Connor's? Yes, it's a very, very similar story. I mean, Charlie and Connor, there's about six months between them. Charlie is six months older than Connor. And like Judy, we started our journey when Charlie was a year and a half requesting for his speech to be um, assessed by the HSC. And again, like Judy, uh, we're based in Dublin. So the demand on services and in particular on disability services, if you happen to be within a disability team, are enormous. And we waited a year for Charlie's speech to be assessed. So he was two and a half by the time he was assessed. We were told that he had um, severe expressive speech concerns and that he would absolutely need speech and language services. But unlike Julie, um, the first time that Charlie actually had any meaningful speech and language therapy provided by the HSE 
was in October 2019, which was four years and four months after he was first referred. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so we have been going privately. It's uh, immense cost to us, um, of course, um, every week since Charlie was um, about two years um, and six months. Um, so we've been going privately to a, a fantastic practice based in Nace, so we do travel to it. And it was in that practice very early on when two, Charlie was about two years, eight months, that they suspected verbal dyspraxic, dyspraxia. And we know, as Julie said, it is a very rare speech sound disorder. It impacts between one to two children in a thousand worldwide. And we know the huge difficulty um, around, um, firstly, diagnosing it, uh, recognising it, actually, diagnosing it, and then um, giving um, sufficient treatment. And there are massive challenges within private and public practice um, surrounding speech sound disorders and that level of experience and knowledge that's available in Ireland. Um, and it's just not here. I mean, we don't even know how many children were, um, in Ireland present with this disorder. And many families are being fobbed off saying, oh, yeah, we think it might be speech sound disorder. It's quite like verbal dyspraxia, but I'm not entirely sure. And the difficulty around uh, verbal dyspraxia is that you need to be actively in therapy with a speech and language therapist before it can be diagnosed. Because the speech so, and language so, therapist so, the, so the real problem then, it is probably very underdiagnosed. I would, a lot of speech and language therapists would agree to that. They would say that it is undiagnosed. Many speech and language therapists will go through their entire career having never come across a child with verbal dyspraxia. So not only may it be undiagnosed, it I is. can't confirm that, I would guess that it's also very much misunderstood. And therefore, the supports are not in place. So as Julie spoke about blocks of therapy, for instance, a child with verbal dyspraxia cannot be in the same system of blocks of therapy as every other child. It just simply doesn't work like that. Okay, in an ideal world, what Uh type of speech and language therapy would a child with verbal dyspraxia need? Well, worldwide, the model, so if you look at the model in countries like America, Australia, Canada, where verbal dyspraxia is largely researched uh, researched, and, you know, speaking to the leading charity in the States, Apraxia Kids, they, they reminded me that I was about 18 years behind where they were. Their children receive multiple speech and language therapy sessions per week. They get it through the public or private system, mostly public because it's funded depending on the states that state that they are in in the states. They also get it in a school setting. So there is no fighting uh, like we have to do as parents for language units and accessing language units, which unlike, for instance, even the UK model, they have a maximum threshold here. So maximum amount of time that you can spend in a language unit is two years. In the UK, the minimum amount of time you spend in a language unit is two years. So the models are completely different. And I guess that is the frustration for us as parents of children with a rare speech sound disorder. And we know that communication is a basic human right. We know that children, every child and young adult and actually every human deserves a voice. But they're not being supported in education. They're not being supported you know, in the classroom. They're not being supported in the healthcare system to achieve that communication ability, that highest level of communication ability, whatever that might be. And some of these children may be, you know, may be largely unintelligible well into their teens, or they may develop language much earlier. It all depends. There is a spectrum, of course, in verbal dyspraxia. Um, if I give you an example of what that might sound like, Patricia, if I was to ask you to give me the dee-dee-da-da-da, would you know what I was asking you for? No. That is how my son, Charlie, our son, Charlie, say, <laughs> uh, that's how he requests the little iPad. Yeah, and you so know, is, and again, you know exactly what Charlie is looking for, and Julie will know exactly what Connor is looking of for, course. but nobody else will. Of course, and that is why it is really, really important that the early intervention system works. 
that waiting four and a half years for a therapy or in Julie's case getting blocks of therapy every six not months good enough. Just, it's not just good not enough. good enough Julie uh, if, if I can bring you back in um, Julie with you know you talk about Skull Government on fantastic school and and what they're providing for you but they've been closed now since March how is that affecting he, Connor? He's Development and his progress is literally on pause. Um, and I mean, the, the work that he was doing, to Patricia, I, I can't praise um, his speech language therapist and his, his teacher and the principal, Mr. Walsh, there. Absolutely. I mean, they worked magic. And that's what I was told they were doing. Um, and I mean, Connor would have started in September wholly unintelligible. Um, he really had one to two operational words. And, you know, it was a big fear. I was very concerned when he was moving from his preschool um, that, you know, he had been since a baby and they were well used to him and they had done, you know, all the bits and, and they, they knew his kind of different gestures and stuff. So I was very concerned when he started school last September. How is he going to cope in a completely alien environment to him? But of course, you know, they were fantastic. Um, and... His work initially, I suppose, back in kind of September, October, was very much learning how to move his face muscles um, and to shape his mouth to make the different sounds. That's the level that Connor was at at five years of age. Um, and he very quickly, because he's so eager, he wants to learn to talk. Um, and he's got so much to say. So Bless. he very quickly progressed to kind of, I suppose, blending sounds. So he went from the to the boo um, and I mean he's at the stage now where, where school closed in March he was starting to put little kind of words together for very short sentences um, but that is literally all on pause now I and will be now we know until September until September so and he has no access to any community therapy because he's in the language class that's just shocking um, and, and I mean, Evelyn, Evelyn with you and Charlie are you in a uh-huh. similar situation in Dublin um, well, Charlie, unfortunately, is not in a language unit and, and at the minute is um, um, excluded from the language units that are available in Dublin because Charlie has another diagnosis. Um, and so he's therefore not entitled to access the language units. Now, we are fighting against that. But he goes to um, you know, a regular school, sits in the classroom with 23 other children with a lot to say, like Connor. And really, um, you know, very, finding it very difficult to speak. But I, what I will say is that the school that he attends, um, which is our local school, is is absolutely fantastic. And from the principal to everybody, you know, his teachers, they really have um, tried very, very hard to tie into Charlie's special language, and they understand him. And he was going out of his classroom every day for twenty five minutes to a resource teacher, one to one, working on on speech sounds. And again, like like Connor very, very difficult for our children to blend sounds. So what comes out, they might be able to say the beginning of the word, but not the end of the word, just because they might learn one motor plan. So for instance, for Charlie used to be able to say mammy for a very, very long time, but wasn't able to say me, even though me is at the end of mammy. Yeah. And so it's a really, really complicated, actually it's fascinating, but really, really complicated um, speech planning um, disorder. And so they need a huge amount of repetition, which is really, really difficult for the children. And of course, being out of that environment where they're in school, which is their natural environment, their natural learning environment, and they're now at home with their parents. And Mammy is now becoming the teacher. It's and, hard. you know, it's really difficult. And yes, yeah. we try. And, you know, the school has said, you know, 
just try and focus on even sight word recognition. And, you know, he is storing all of that. And we have to believe. And I've met, you know, 20, a 21-year-old girl who has fully recovered from verbal dyspraxia. She still has motor planning issues because it's lifelong. But she's fully intelligible and fully fluent and, in fact, debates in Trinity College. You know, and she's an amazing woman. Um, and so there, there has to be so hope. So that, that gives you great hope. A great hope. But but um, I will stress that when she was three and a half years of age, she was getting therapy multiple times a week from the HSC. So things have changed. We don't have the same access to those services. Um, language units, again, very, very difficult to get into them. They're not funded adequately. And unless schools can afford, you know, between ten and 15,000 a year to fund a speech and language therapist to get in, to um, the school and offer support in a school environment, then how are these children who are not entitled to attend language units going to be supported in the in the classroom? How are they going to be supported to access curriculum? What impact does that make in forming um, friendships and developing their social um, um, social being? And how are they going to find um, what it's like when they get a little bit older and their differences become more apparent? And what impact is that going to have in terms of their own mental health? Will they become um, anxious? Will they um, self-isolate? Will they remove themselves from, from situations because they can't communicate? And we really, really have to work very hard that we get in early and we support them to prevent that happening and putting more strain, by the way, on the HSE at a later stage if we need to access mental health services. Well, you're both terrific advocates on, on behalf of, of your children. You certainly are their, their missing voice and you and you, uh, what you're doing today is certainly raising awareness because I was totally unaware of verbal oh. uh, dyspraxia and, uh, until I, I received uh, Julie's email. So so thank you both uh, for thank that. You. And is, is, is that part of the plan going forward and the reason that Verbal Dyspraxia Ireland was, was set up outside yes. of helping each other, but just to try to put a spotlight and a focus on this condition. Yes, well, May is actually World Apraxia Awareness Day, and I guess this is where the, the, the conversation is a bit tricky. In Ireland and England, we call the term verbal dyspraxia. In the States, uh, Canada and Australia, it's called apraxia of speech. It's the same condition. And the month of May is Verbal Dyspraxia Awareness Month, and May the 14th is actually um, a verbal dyspraxia awareness day and so this is about starting a conversation about verbal dyspraxia to eliminate any of those um, confusion about the word, the terminology and to um, highlight that every child deserves a voice. So Patricia if we could ask you and your listeners on May the 14th to join us and to, to speak up for those that cannot speak for themselves because we know that every child deserves a voice and so on May the 14th on your social media platforms please use the hashtag um, speak up, tag um tag us on our Instagram account Finding Charlie's Voice um, on Facebook or on Twitter as well um, at Charlie's Voice on Twitter and if there's anybody listening that wants to get involved or to offer support these are real children with real families and we are all in it together we only just want to have a conversation with our children we want them to have access to education um, and to be treated fairly and to be supported in their right to find their voice Well done Well done to you both and listen thanks a million for joining us and uh, do stay in contact but uh, thanks for joining us Uh, good morning to you both Thank you Um, Julie Sweeney there from Mallow Mum of Little Connor and Evelyn Murphy co-founder of that group Verbal Dyspraxia Ireland speaking about her son uh, Charlie joining us from uh, Dublin and a texter said those ladies could be telling my story my son who is now 18 has clear speech and is doing amazing thank God uh, we did have to do all 
the work at home 16 years ago but it was worth it almost no services 16 years ago and also there was no accommodation in secondary school and that's the same even today says a uh, texter thank you for that to 0862 103 103 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.